Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Michael Bowden, and thank you so much for clicking on a brand new episode of Hindsight is 20 slash 200. If you guys have missed any of the recent episodes or know someone that would like to listen to the podcast, please do let them know. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, we can be found there and listened to. Got a lot of brand new episodes coming out lately, so if you missed any, just make sure you type in hindsight is 20 slash 200, and please do put that slash in between the 2200. All right. Well, we have a brand new guest today, an amazing guest, um, also a member of Stride for You. Uh, if you guys remember our previous guest, Amy SP. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk more about self defense. Um, but, you know, of course, we also are going to talk to him about his background and, um, all the work that he's done, especially, of course, as a retired veteran of the U.S. Um, military and the Army. So we do thank him for his service and protecting our freedom. So let's get him in here. He is an advanced instructor for Stride for You in their SEED program, the great and powerful George Freeman. Hey, everybody. How you doing? This is George Freeman. Glad to be here with everybody. Yeah, yeah. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Very uh, glad to yeah. be here. Awesome. I'm happy I talk to... fast, tell me to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. So sometimes we speak a little fast, and I remind myself of that. So mm-hmm. I will be cognizant of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what, what part of New York are you from? Uh, born and raised in the Bronx. Okay. I right. have the New York accent. <laughs> I escaped the accent. <laughs> yeah, my my father um his family are originally from new york uh that's why i ask okay awesome yeah he's from the um from red hook so uh, the poughkeepsie area oh yep i know that area <laughs> and just like you he escaped the accent as well <laughs> <laughs> so um you know just to get started would you mind just giving us a little bit of a, a background about you just introducing yourself to the listeners yeah, uh, like I said, my name is George Freeman. Um, I'm born and raised in Bronx, New York. Um, I joined the Army after college. I went to a small military college in Vermont called Norwich University. And after school, um, I actually joined the National Guard and went active duty after 18 months in Vermont National Guard. And it's been 21 years altogether in the Army. I had a plethora of jobs. Um, it's very unique. Uh, got me all over the place. Uh, I was an Army recruiter in Los Angeles. Um, I rode horses for the army for about two years. Really? Uh, it was a very unique job, uh, <laughs> training operations. Yeah, OPSEC, you know, I wanted Walter Reed, my last assignment. Mm-hmm. And uh, currently I'm in Savannah, Georgia. I was stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia, uh, which is about 45 minutes from where I live in Savannah. Um, so I returned here and I retired in 2017. Uh, so I was at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center when I retired. Uh, left there, came back here, and then I opened up a martial arts studio. First week out of retirement open up doors like hey come here um and so it's been almost five years mm-hmm. uh yeah that it was a struggle uh mm-hmm. but we've gotten better um so I, I teach um taekwondo which actually i learned when i was in korea my, well, my second time there i teach filipino martial arts uh sometimes referred to as filipino stick fighting uh called arnis uh kali or screma so with a system called lameko i've been doing that for about like 16 years i guess um almost been 20 years that i've been doing taekwondo um and so I also teach um, a women's self-defense through a program called RAD, which stands for Rape Progressive Defense. I've been doing that since like 2013. Actually, I went down to Tampa to get certified in that program mm. uh, at the time. 
So that was uh, some years ago while I was still in the Army. And then I've been with um, the SEED program since the beginning. It's been like about two years um, that I've been with the SEED program. I'm one of the advanced instructors. Mm. So uh, definitely first three questions pop in my mind. Um, the Korean, was it Korean stick fighting, you said? Okay, Filipino stick fighting. Okay, what exactly does that entail? <laughs> okay, well, so it's uh, the indigenous art of the Philippines. It goes back to, uh, say, like the 1400s, so in Spanish, um, the 1400s, when Spanish first conquered. Um, it actually goes before that. So using of rattan sticks, which is kind of like, it's kind of like uh, bamboo, but not quite, a little bit more durable and stronger. Um, and so you start with using these sticks, learning how to do these techniques. Uh, the thing about the techniques is that they also can morph into techniques used for uh, bladed weapons, such as mm. swords and knives, uh, also empty hand techniques. So it's, it's a full uh, system and it can augment any other system of martial arts out there. I've seen techniques um, where they're combined with Filipino martial arts, uh, something like called Arnis Kali or Eskrima. It's like saying armed forces, military, army. It's, it's you know, depending on where you are, they call it by different names, but it's the same same art. And there's various um, different schools within those within the art. So I've seen it combined. Uh, I had a technique pull on me by a gentleman named um, Dan Ensanto. He was a student of Bruce Lee's. Oh, wow. And I had to train with him. He's in his 80s now. I had to train with him some years ago in Georgia at, as a, at a seminar. And he demonstrated this technique and did it on me where he went from a Kali technique to a Salat technique into BJJ. Oh, wow. So as a 75 year old man put me on my behind, you know, <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a defending against the stick attack, how to defend against that, uh, how to um, break the funds balance and then put them on the ground and put them into an um, uh, arm bar. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of the best moments in my life. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite arts uh, because you can augment anything, you can add anything to it, um, and it doesn't take away from the art itself. And that's mm -hmm. very popular in movies. Uh, those who've um, are been exposed to uh, the Born Identity movies, mm -hmm. uh, you'll find find it in there. Um, Book of Eli uh, is another movie. Uh, with Denzel Washington, he uses techniques in there too. But um, Textile Sensation is also part of it as well if you get close enough. So you have those techniques in there as well. Yeah, my, my dad... Just a second. All right, how does that sound? Sounds good. Okay, that was weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been having a lot of um, problems with um, my Wi-Fi spectrum. They are not okay. my friends right now, gotcha. but hopefully that's good. Definitely, that will be edited in post-production. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me take a real quick look at where that's. All right. Well, there we go. That was fun. I actually, that was smooth. It went, you know, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, it's funny. Our, we do our podcast. It's like, ah, oh, I got to do a podcast. We've been doing it for like two years now. Uh-huh. Like two years ago. So we're like a two, we're like our 27, 23rd episode. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, okay, I got another one to do. Um, but yeah, this was just, this was just fun. Just like, Hey, cool. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, now, uh, this was cool. I really do appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll stay in contact. Um, yeah. I mean, it'd be great if we could do something in person. That'd be fun. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so serious about that. Like, uh, so, um, <laughs> I said, I've been telling my friends when I come down and visit and come down and visit, 
and I have, I'm finding more people that I know that live there. Like everybody in Tampa, uh, <laughs> they're in Tampa or Jacksonville or Orlando. One of those. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Orlando because um, of Disney and then Tampa yeah, just exactly. maybe because of the hockey, but it's also a really good place for retirement. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, uh, you know, if you know some people that might be interested, you want to get something together. So I'll mm-hmm. come down there. Can do you know a few hours or whatever mm-hmm. uh, of a thing, um, some basic stuff. Yeah, I, I know, and also gets people more aware of the program. Um, you know, I also like using those things for um, for media uh, exposure as well. Mm-hmm. Call, call the news and hey, you got this program going on. You have I have a podcast and you yeah. organize this uh, that helps out the podcast, put seed out there on the map, and I get to hang out with my friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Tampa would be great for, uh, you know, just everything in general that you do, especially for seed. I think it is it would be it would really be great because we have such a big community of visually impaired people just because of the program with the with the, with the school. You know, I I've lived in Florida for pretty much my entire life, but I grew up in in northern Florida, so more so like in the Destin, Pensacola area. Okay. And there is like zero, and you know. I say this, but visibility when it comes to mm-hmm. um, not only the blind, but the disabled, it's just no understanding of how to interact with them. Um, there's no, you know, sidewalks, ride share. It's a very just bad place to live if you have any sort of disability. Yeah. So it's kind of like night and day of how just in tune and up to speed they are when it comes to disability and the visually impaired down in this part of Florida. It's like complete, like, tone shift it's i i always joke and say we need to make um a north and a south florida um, <laughs> or or just make north florida a part of alabama <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it does, there needs to be more representation for mm-hmm. the blind and the disabled um and, uh, there isn't mm-hmm. i want to advocate uh, then some groups and then depending on which group you're with mm-hmm. you know i found that out it's like it's almost like a conservative republican or conservative liberal mm-hmm. depending on which group you're with um you know we should be more independent no we should ask for more stuff uh, like, um, but you need to be some, need some type of advocacy for for those with disabilities in, in general. Uh, as, as I've learned, you know, we have some laws out there. Got you, ADA. Got you. But if no one's knowing about it or effectively making make, reminding people of it, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not going to really change. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard from other people that they grew up in areas where there was like no school for the blind or no mm-hmm. resources were available. We have a girl right now. Uh, she's from like. Uh, North Dakota, something like that. She just became an instructor. Really sweet lady. She works. Uh, I think she works at a, a center where she lives. But she said when she was a kid, there was nothing. Yeah. And just like when she was out there milking cows <laughs> and goats and stuff. And just like let's go. They made it. They made it seem like there was like nothing you couldn't do. Yeah. And it worked out for her. Yeah. Uh, and a very sweet person. And she works on. It does the farm stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's been blind since you know I think since birth. Mm-hmm. Or some at a very young age. Um, mm-hmm. That one gentleman who's was new to blind blindness. Um, he he's going. To, he came to Savannah for one of our our, our courses. His first time traveling by, by plane alone since he's since he's been blind. Yeah. So it's like you hear stuff like that, and just like, hmm, mm-hmm. what, what did they do with the uh, the airports? You know. Yeah. Um, is there enough stuff? So I'm, I'm actually I've thought about doing something too. I keep saying I need to get on it. Um, have you ever heard about the Green Book? Heard that mm. okay. I, I mean, when I unfortunately, when I think of Green Book, I think of the Green Books we had to use for tests back in college. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this this goes further than that. So back in like the um, I guess like late forties or fifties, 
the green of the guy named, I think his name was George Green, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he traveled around the country and he would find places that, he was an African-American guy, find places that where black people could go to safely mm-hmm. when, when they traveled. Mm-hmm. He had the Green Book, so it was like a directory of safe places you can stay. You can use this bathroom, but not this bathroom, restaurants you can go to, uh, whatever you're discriminating against, what kind of, you know, so for the Green Book. And they had it for about maybe 20, 30 years, Green Book was a thing, a lot in black community. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had to do something called the Blue Book. Um, having a listing of places that were definitely accessible, that mm-hmm. were, example, when um, when Amy and some others came here for training a couple of years ago for the first time, I was like, we were doing we were to develop techniques. They, um, we went to a place called um, Bonefish Grill. Uh, it's a chain. I'm sure you guys have that, but Bonefish Grill. Uh, My sister here. loves them. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, she, so, she's a huge fan. <laughs> so what was really amazing, like, so I, went, I dropped them off and I parked the car, came back, and they were already seated. They had menus menus in Braille and also mm-hmm. in, in, in bold print, which I never really thought about. I looked online. There's about six places in Savannah that had that. Mm-hmm. So we went back. So when we came, we had a certification course uh, back in January. Uh, we had about like about 12 people here, mm-hmm. uh, and most of them all blind. And we go there again, and they didn't have them anymore. Like, what happened to you? You know, your brothers, because they were, I guess, I guess they got some new money got printed, but no one thought about printing those out that way. But mm-hmm. the idea that they did have it. So having a, a, a blue book that talks about, you know, just not just for people who are blind, but any types of disability, hey, these are places that will definitely will, this, this is where the, you can roll your wheelchair in or they have bars there or mm-hmm. that you have big enough bed. So something like that to make it easier for uh, and to help people to think about traveling more mm-hmm. and they can go places that they feel comfortable doing. So mm-hmm. I've been talking about that for a couple of years now. So yeah. you need to start working. On My that. biggest problem with the restaurants that do have Braille menus is they're always so out of date. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, well, this is useless because you don't even serve any of this anymore. You haven't for years. Right. <laughs> it's like, why, 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 it's like, it's like, I, I, you should have just said you don't have them anymore because it's yeah. <laughs> that would have been honestly better at this point and I mean, maybe some type of you know some type of way where it can um offset the cost if someone has a menu they want a braille menu maybe call in mm-hmm. a group can we'll make the menus for you and send them back to you yeah i mean Update, something like that but it, it takes planning but it has to be it has to be thought about no one thinking about it they're not going to mm-hmm. do it yeah uh, you know so that's part of it as i said you have to have representation and saying hey you know, I'm gonna think about other side businesses. That might be a side business right there. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, um, but also only what 30% of people who are blind can read Braille, something of that nature. Yeah, I I learned it back when I was in high school, but I I never I've never really used it. So like I I still know a little bit of the alphabet, but you know nowadays I just use um, OCR. So okay. basically, you can just take a picture of anything right. printed, and then it'll read it back to you. Yeah. So, I mean, that does make it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, but still, like, you know, with the uh, two uh, two blind guys, two blind mm-hmm. brothers, you know, they got stuff in Braille. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. But if you can't read Braille, you still won't know what color you got. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I was thinking, like, okay. So, uh, I, I just, it was very interesting to me uh, as I get more involved in it. And just like I said, empowering people, all types of people, I don't care mm-hmm. race, color, creed, whatever. Uh, everyone has a right, especially in America, you know, you know we the people. I would totally mm-hmm. believe in it um we we have the right you know you know um and should be treated fairly and justly but we have to be reminded of it um and no one's rights more important than the other person's mm-hmm. and that's what i think so you know i think um you know equity 
amongst yeah. people is very important. I think people ought to forget that, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. Um, as, was, as bad as it is to say this, um, I do mean it in like the most like good way that I can, but it's like, I wish, you know, when a blind or a disabled person got assaulted, it made the news like a regular able-bodied no, person. you're right. You're right. Uh, it, it should make the news. Because, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's weird to say that and people be like, oh, what? And it's like, well, think about it. That's, from how, how many of these stories don't ever get told and never will get told? But they will, you know, automatically put on a regular able-bodied woman but, you know, the statistics and numbers show that visually impaired women get attacked just as much, if not more. So it's like, yeah. where, where's their representation and their stories? So, so if, if you're not seen, yeah, you're, you're, you're not here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like after 9-11, you didn't hear so many Muslims talking about, oh, my God, this is horrible that these guys did that. Mm -hmm. They don't represent us. Very few. Mm -hmm. And so in America, if you're silent about something, you're probably guilty or involved in something. Mm -hmm. You have to say something to, to defend yourself or, you know, or to circumvent it. And otherwise no one sees you, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's like, um, you know, here, living here in the South is also awesome, but it's, um, I've heard people talking about, when you're talking about subjects about race, well, why keep talking about it? If people had not talked about it, I would not have been able to serve as long as I did in the military. If people had not talked about it, I'd still, I'd be still have to ride in the back of the bus. If no one had <laughs> talked about it, I would have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, things have to be talked about yeah. <laughs> for there to be a change. And for the, you know, the blind and disabled, other parts of the disabled community, it has to be talked about, it has to be presented, mm -hmm. it has to be constantly thrown in people's face. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe a protest march might not be the best thing, but um, <laughs> what was I watching? It was, uh, ever see, is it, Drunk History. Oh my god, I freaking love that show. <laughs> there was one about I not I didn't know about the whole um, the lock in at this one school uh, by uh, someone who was like, I think they had a uh, wheelchair bound mm -hmm. and talking about hey, is it back in the seventies? And it was it was on they did a thing on there. It was so funny, but I love it because I love I was a history major, and I was like same. Maybe Maybe, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so maybe yeah. go look stuff up about, you know, the ADA rights that uh, mm -hmm. came out because this girl in 70 something decided, hey, we're going to chain it up. And it's like, it's like Black Panthers came, you know, mm -hmm. and they had everybody, uh, the Rosalind came, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, we went, yeah, power to people. I think that was the funniest <laughs> thing. Like, I did not even hear about this before. Yeah. You know, that's um, a great way for history to be told because, you know, it's like we're always thinking, well, how can we get kids? to want to learn about history do that get some comedians that are hilarious get them a little bit drunk mm -hmm. and then they're still going to tell you the, uh, the history you're still going to learn because you do you still learn about stuff it's probably not as accurate as it probably is in the, in the textbooks uh but then again even in the textbooks it's not yeah. that accurate it's a matter it's a matter <laughs> of fact way of telling history mm -hmm. you know like but uh, it gets people interested and it yes. makes them receptive to learning yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way. How I felt, I felt interested in history. When I was a little kid, I was, my mind was wide open. Mm -hmm. um, I watched a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> it was uh, Bugs Bunny, his nephew Buster, and Buster had to study for a history test. Mm -hmm. And Bugs Bunny gives this whole sort of view of history. And, he, and Buster comes back and he, Bugs is like, how'd you do? And he sits there and puts a dunce cap on. <laughs> he failed because <laughs> he you know, didn't have the answer to the test. I thought that was hysterical. And I believe that's what made me want to study history. Mm. Yeah, I wanted like, to be know, a teacher. I did too. At one yeah. 
Not too late for you. I'm, I'm too old for you. <laughs> nah, uh, I kind of, I, I kind of like this uh, a little bit more. Um, but you know, I, I loved history for, for such a long time. Um, I don't really know what sparked my interest to be honest. I mean, I think maybe just having a dad um, in the military mm-hmm. um, that served and you know did all of you know these major um, you know skirmishes and you know engagements you know maybe that's where it started um but i've always loved history but um my focus and if i actually went back and actually got like a master's um who knows if i will or not but uh, my focus was in the atlantic world um oh okay yeah so i really liked pre-colonial so like mm-hmm. my focus was actually really more so on the beginnings of slavery and how it evolved over time from the colonial Caribbean into the early uh, settlements of the U.S. Which I think is crazy because um, I've gotten more into being down here because Savannah is like history central. Oh, we yeah. Fort rock. Sumter. Mm-hmm. And Fort yeah, Sumter. South Carolina, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but here we had the Battle of Savannah, the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found uh, the summer, oh, well, in the wintertime, they dredged, they dredged the uh, Savannah River. They found about 18 Civil War, can- uh, Revolutionary War cannons. Oh, absolutely. There's probably so much that they still haven't found to this day. Yeah. They did dredge, you know. Um, so I've got interested in the Civil War, but not from the, from the battle perspective, more from mm-hmm. the social perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a theory. I have a friend of mine that uh, we went to Gettysburg. Uh, that's where I found out there were a number of Asians that were that fought in the Civil War that we mm-hmm. talked about. Uh about, about like a hundred or so Asian Americans that served in the Civil War on, between both sides. Um, never knew that until I got this book about it. Um, uh, but um, I, I went and went there with some of my friends. She got her, I got her master's degree, I think in psychology and uh, history. Yeah, she was a missile leader in the Air Force. That was her job. Now she's a missionary. Kind of crazy. Um, but I talked about the theory is that there is a social, there's a I've done this for years. There's a social, psychological um, component of history that we never talk about. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that, okay, so are you familiar with the Lima syndrome and um, the Stockholm syndrome? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Lima syndrome is the reverse of it. The Stockholm being that, hey, you know, I'm the, the captured. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. The Lima is where the those who are holding those captured has, have a uh, empathy for those that are keep holding captive, captive. Mm-hmm. and that component I think if you think about slavery it's what you had going on there mm-hmm. because you, you you were raised around said you know um, there's an older black slave woman she raised you fed you literally breastfed you raised you mm-hmm. and at some point you thought like oh you can't be playing with the kids you've been playing with because they're your slaves they're your property mm-hmm. but you grew up with this how do you switch from you know, playmate to master, or now playmate to slave. You know, um, there's stories about the Civil War where some slaves would go along with the, uh, the younger slave, son of a slave owner in uh, the Confederacy, and follow him, you know, to wherever unit he was with. Uh, they make money by doing small chores for other, other soldiers there. And it wasn't, uncus- it wasn't un- uncommon that if the young, you know, son of the slave owner died, that slave would actually go back home uh, get money, get a wagon, whatever, and bring the body back. Things like that hurt. Mm-hmm. Why not run away? Well, <laughs> you know, I can't yeah. speak of it because I wasn't born at that time. It's a different right. mindset. Mm-hmm. But understanding that there's that connection where I'm going to go, this is, my, this is my family. Even though you get beat by them or whatever, 
or how you get treated by this is still my family. It's mm-hmm. like a dysfunctional uh, family with domestic abuse and violence. Yeah, pretty much. So that's the psychology and social construct of that type of society that no one ever talks about. Now, it's just, it's so interesting just from every aspect that you look about it. And that's definitely one thing that's always interesting is because, you know, um, I do think there is a lot of, um, it's black and white and not gray. And, and again, slavery is terrible. You know, it's definitely an absolute abhorred thing. But you, when you study it, you, you realize it's just like, okay, well, not all whites agreed with no. it. <laughs> no, no. Even, even back then. Even back then, but you don't hear about those guys. Yeah. Um, the abolitionists were the Quakers. They were mm-hmm. big against it. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, people, I can't say, oh, all white people are bad. No, they're not. They're, right. No group of individuals are inherently bad. Right. Some people might do inherently bad things. <laughs> right. Not inherently bad. And mm-hmm. so I, I hate that aspect of it. Um, you know, because I have a diverse group of friends that I'm around mm-hmm. um, all the time. And I, I prefer that because I'd get bored with just like a bunch of black people. They're like, man, <laughs> the same thing over again. And if I was in a community that was just all white, like, I'm getting, you guys are the same thing. I have to have diversity. You got to be something. Uh-huh. We got to be different. The way you speak, got to be different. The way you mm-hmm. act, got to be different. Um, fact is that I'm not going to talk about to my mom, but you might. It might be a problem. I know. <laughs> it's There's differences and uh, cultural differences within America. But yeah, I can't blame a whole group for the actions of a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what it is is that with society now, or I think black people are asking, like, hey, for some people, Acknowledge that this happened that was bad. And if it tries, if someone says something stupid or racist, mm. check them on it. Yeah. Because that's inappropriate. It's like if someone says something, you know, sexist about somebody, I know, like, oh, no, dude, that's, that's not how we do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, when uh, you hear that thing about you know, President Trump before he became president, like, grabbed him by the, you know, <laughs> okay. And then, then his wife is like, oh, that's just, that's just uh, boys talk, you know, um, locker room talk. That woman is a victim, okay? I don't yes, care what anyone but, says. She is afraid to say anything wrong. Well, she won't get the word, but he bought her, so I mean, you know. Uh, she basically, no, no, yeah, he basically no did. My order brought. Well, then, yeah. when she said that, the funny thing is, I was at Walter Reed when that happened, because, you know, near DC. Mm-hmm. And I was, the next day, I was in a locker room with soldiers, sailors, Air Force, Marine, and not once to hear a conversation about grabbing any woman or doing anything to any woman. <laughs> In a locker room full of men in the armed forces. Not once did I hear the whole time I li- I was there for two and a half years mm-hmm. any such comment. Yeah, if you're a boy, not an eight, six, sixty or seventy year old man talking like that, <laughs> you know. And then you just he just wired you up. How dumb are you? Yeah. Right? yeah. So I got you. Sometimes guys will say stuff, but to say that uh, it's locker room talk. No, down it's mm-hmm. not locker room talk. Mm-hmm. Maybe in. Bulgaria, wherever you came from, <laughs> you know, that might be a locker room talk, but at mm-hmm. a certain age, you don't like, um, mm-hmm. like my oldest godchild when she was 19, I hadn't seen her in like 10 years, and I was in Vermont. Uh, once we went to be arranged to have lunch, you know, Facebook or text, but I can't remember. And I hadn't seen her, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen a picture of up in like you know, 10 years, been text in like 10 years, and I see this pretty girl walking, I go, That's a pretty girl, and I think, Suppose that's her, and it was, but I was, I felt vindicated because I didn't go, Oh, that girl was hot. Yeah. As an older, when you get a certain age, mm-hmm. you appreciate a woman for being attractive without thinking of her as a sexual thing. A hundred percent. Because you you, you learn respect. Yeah. And if I thought that about her, I would have felt so bad over lunch. <laughs> <Right>. You know. <laughs> uh, 
So, yeah. no, I, I totally un understand. But yeah, you can't hold anybody accountable uh, mm -hmm. today about that. Um, but it's history. Put it mm -hmm. in historical context. Recognize that it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, talk about the fact that it happened. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a bad part of our history, but it's part mm -hmm. of our history. Yeah. Um, like, what's it? In, um, I heard in Texas, like nine educators came together and they decided they want to change the, uh, the word from slavery to invol involuntary located people. No, let's not do that. Yeah, well, that, that, that was <laughs> proposed, proposed, like for a second. Let's, second uh, can, can, I, I want to be the, uh, we, yeah, let's vote that down. Let's say yeah. no. <laughs> Involuntary, relocated, whatever people. Like, seriously? That makes no sense. So it still got kidnapped? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, okay, well, you're just making a fancy phrase for kidnapped. <laughs> right, kidnapping and enslaving people. And yeah. you're talking about, and then you talk about CRT. That's not, is, from what you say that CRT is, is that the same thing you're doing? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a proposal I read about. My aunt was talking about it today. I thought it was kind of funny. Like, I, I can't, it's Texas, so it could pass. Um, but I don't, remember, I don't remember talking about slavery in second grade. Mm -hmm. I don't remember talking about that in second grade. Like, that's a very progressive in Florida, uh, Texas, I mean. So <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Relocated people. Seriously? Oh, so they're, so they're in jail? <laughs> I got an uncle that was relocated, they, they, too. They, oh, so they migrated? <laughs> they migrated, yeah. yeah. Involuntarily yeah. migrated, yeah. <laughs> Voluntarily yeah. migrated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So yeah. Keyword on involuntary. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so they got forced. No matter what, it still doesn't sound good. You know, we break it down. So I just, yeah. Our country's just funny right now. People are laughing at us. Uh, we were yeah. one of the top-notch, you know, countries in the world, and now people are just like, yeah, I don't know about these people. It, my my um, whole my whole issue is like we we become so oversensitized to everything yeah. that we're afraid to talk about the things that, that matter the most, and it's mm. ju it just it doesn't help anybody. Like, no. I, I mean, un I understand there's a lot of stuff you want to erase about history, but if you just take away it completely, you know, you, you will repeat history. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. I just, I just think it's funny how people. Someone, okay. someone wants your, someone okay. wants your attention. Okay. Uh, well, hey, I have had a lot of t fun talking to you. Um, you too, sir. We'll stay in contact because uh, if we keep going, we'll be here all day. <laughs> all day. I know, right? I can tell right now. But yeah, when do you expect to uh, have it edited and aired? Um, so the season two will premiere in July. I still have to get at least four episodes out. Um, so probably if, if anything, it'll be near the, either the third or the fourth week of July. Okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Just because I have a lot of other episodes uh, already yeah. in the works. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's still, that's but yeah, fast. but definitely we'll make sure to tag you and everything and you know what, you know, when it happens. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And I hope you look forward to hearing from you soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'll have to come on yours. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make that happen. All right. Have a happy 4th of July weekend. You too. And thank all you right. so much for all that you did in serving our country. I appreciate that. And have a good one. <laughs> you take care. Bye. Bye. They got I know. I, I heard. I think Aaron knows what Michelle means. She has resumed. Do you know that she means you're going to go Why to the house? is this? No I know, right? <laughs> <to> <laughs> <end>. <laughs>